Welcome to the Directions Mag podcast. We're honored to bring you this valuable resource back to you as we celebrate our 20th year in the geospatial community. Read more at directionsmag.com. Bill McNeil, our small UAV contributing editor, is hosting a quarterly UAV podcast. After a word from our sponsor, Bill interviews Jeffrey DeCoe and Adam Schlender from Hangar on scaling drone data and drone usage in public lands projects. Esri, the global leader in GIS, is proud to sponsor the Directions Magazine UAV podcast series. Did you know that ArcGIS is a complete, integrated remote sensing and GIS software platform enabling you to collect, process, analyze, manage, and share imagery? Drone to Map for ArcGIS turns your drone-captured imagery into stunning 2D and 3D imagery products that can be easily shared with anyone. Learn more today at esri.com imagery. Can you give our readers a little background information on, uh, on Hangar? Um, yeah, so the, the, the history of, of Hangar kind of formed up um, now almost three years ago. Um, that was, you know, I came from enterprise software background, so it was all about ways to, to automate things within business and how can... Um, technology, um, improve business process, and make um, business in general more effective. Um, I learned about drones about six years ago, um, but it was only in 2014 that drones became uh, a something that could truly start impacting business because it trans- transitioned from really the RC and the thumbs on sticks concept to now something that's with the SDK that um, DGI released, it could then now be completely automated with an autopilot and you could actually you know capture really valuable data on a very consistent and actionable basis um so that was um you know it there was a lot of history and um hangar um, gelling together but the the concept was around if you could actually leverage these new robotics to capture really valuable data and you can do it consistently the impact that has on many industries was was going to be very large um, and what had to happen is the the drone itself had to disappear really from being the, the the key aspect of the conversation it's not really about the drone it's what the drone can do um, and in order for that to happen everything had to be either you had to leverage autonomy number one for getting consistency but then you had to have a, a, a complete data flow engine on the back end because the data being captured was not just valuable to you know creating you know maps and 3D point clouds, but there was some other so many other types of data assets um, that the drones could you know deliver upon, and the amount of technology that could use that was large. Um, so it wasn't about you know Hangar didn't see itself developing a, a a data platform that housed all the interfaces for the clients. We saw it as a delivery mechanism that allowed. 40, what we call 4D visual insights to be captured at scale and allow that data to be delivered into any number of systems on the, the back end in a very consistent, actionable way. So a lot of data um, that gets captured is valuable to Autodesk and Bentley and um, you know the engineering and architectural apps. Other data that's captured is really valuable to construction management software like uh, Procore and you know uh, uh, Accruent. And, and other you know technologies and then we talk about the mapping and just um, after disaster recovery 
when you think about all the type of data that would be extremely valuable to emergency services and responding um, within cities, that type of data is really valuable to you know systems like Esri and a lot of the um, asset work um, solutions that cities use to monitor and manage recovery at their um, after big you know storms. Um, so Hangar started off realizing that there was a, a tremendous amount of engineering and development effort that had to go into developing that platform out and, and basically make it as simple as possible for um, businesses to leverage the incredible capabilities of drones, but not have to worry about incorporating a new tool um, with inside the enterprise. Okay. And uh, what an example would be if after a storm, um, like if we're tracking, if, you know, within the hangar world, we have 55,000 cell towers uh, from one vendor in the system. Um, as we actually track, you know, with um, some partners, you know, you know, storms events and what towers experienced um, certain characteristics of weather, whether it be, you know, winds over 80 miles an hour or, you know, hard hail or a, a you know, a, you know, turbulence like a, a tornado was in that vicinity, those towers could all be automatically highlighted. And from our standpoint is we have missions that are automatically stamped down on an asset where once those become highlighted as towers that are affected by a weather event, now all those become pins on a map for their service technicians or their operators um, as, as networks that they've authorized to be agents to go capture data for them out in the field. So all the complexities of trying to dispatch um, people to go inspect, um, you know, towers in this case, or, you know, the logistics of getting the right equipment or the, the right talent, you know, to locations kind of just fades away. And all they do is see very consistent, actionable data coming back to them through um, the, the hangar platform. Okay, uh, all good stuff. <clears throat> what are the problems that users uh, have with scaling drone ta drone data, um, and how do you see these being resolved? Um, well, the, the scaling of drone data is because everybody tries to to. I mean, as any new industry um, comes about, people are are usually fascinated by the technology and and not necessarily about the impact that the technology will have in the business. When you realize the impact of drones, right now it's not about the more complex things like you know, delivery and, and other things that they'll be doing in the future, it's about data collection. Um, and uh, there, was a, there was a time that you know, planes captured a lot of data um, for you know, people to find out what was actually happening you know, around you know, at macro level um, around the United States, and then satellites came about and um, solved it at a pretty grand scale. I think the same thing is kind of occurring with with what drones are capable of doing is um, each business, um, the each business acquiring their own drones and flying their own uh, drones on a weekly or daily basis is a pretty um, cumbersome process. Whereas if you have like we do a, a tremendous amount of uh, partnering with uh, large drone um, operator networks like uh, DroneBase, um, where they have operators all around the United States that go and capture many, many projects on a single day. And when 
we look at our viewpoint is on specific types of industries, they would like to have that data daily if the economics worked. And we believe by solving the back end you know, system of the data flow and always having a autonomous mission that's being executed out of the location, then now networks like DroneBase are able to capture that data at scale um, and really start moving the dial on, you know, the economies of scale of, uh, you know, productivity and cost savings um, inside of, you know, companies like construction and uh, various infrastructure and even the telecommunications industry. Right. I, th I think you've covered this next question, but I'll, 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 answer, I'll ask it anyways. Um, how is the drone data changing public land and, and resource challenge? Um, I think Adam would probably, um, Adam has done an exceptional job kind of managing that, that whole relationship. I think before Hangar, um, the likelihood that they could get data at a scale that allowed them to to apply you know, just basic um, analytics to was was virtually impossible. Um, and, you know, Adam, you want to talk about, you're talking about TPL, correct? Yeah, we yeah we have a, a really great uh, a use case that sort of speaks to that specifically, and just to sort of uh, add on you know what what uh, Jeff was saying and kind of add a little resolution to what we mean by you know, kind of automating the automating the process and enabling scale. Uh, when we refer to a mission, we're 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 saying you know something that a, a drone is going to autonomously do you know within the span of a a battery, right? So you know, there's this this thing that's ultimately providing the value to the customer that the drone is doing completely autonomously, you know, over the span of 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but kind of everything that has to happen, um, sort of before that can happen, and, and before that that imagery or that data product is delivered to a business, ends up being about four to six hours of of human effort and labor, right? So that is a lot of what our platform solves for. And a lot of what enables, you know, that that operator to fly five to eight missions in a day, as opposed to two or three, and you know, that has fifty thousand cell phone towers, or is responsible for, you know, thirty thousand bridges across the country, or, um, you know, basically any sort of large volume, uh, large number of of assets, you know, the, the the first sort of bottleneck in that process is you just need to be able to request you know say here's the data that i need at these places on the earth right so that's where you know uh working with esri and you know sort of uh you know gis kind of becomes the beginning of the, the conversation and really powerful um we're working with a trust for public land who uh has sort of under their their care and, and within their mission you know, there's a, a little over 130,000 parks in the United States, and you know their their mission is to ensure that every American has, uh, you know, is within 10 minutes of a high quality park. And to date, working from you know satellite imagery, in many cases, uh, all they really know about a given park is sort of the the, the boundary of the parcel. Uh, they, they may not know what sort of amenities, if it has, you know, trails or basketball courts or, you know, what, what exists um, actually on that land, let alone, uh, you know, what condition are those, are those uh, amenities in today. So this is 
you know, a, a problem that imagery uh, from drones can, can solve, uh, but then they have the problem of uh, capturing that data at, at scale. Uh, so, so what we've been able to do with with them, um, you know, they're they have a, a a GIS team, as you well well know, is we've been able to sort of programmatically, based on um, you know the the features that they have in Esri, generate mission plans uh, to and mission requests for basically all of those parks. Um, so then, you know, we we've we've done an initial pilot in uh, in Dallas. And you know, basically, we were able to, in the span of a, a few hours, programmatically generate those mission plans, and then engage volunteers to go out and uh, collect that data, which is then sort of just automatically uh, published back to them. Okay. So, so you're collecting features in these in these uh, public lands, and then it's basically temporal data. Do you go back over uh, and review those and, and fly those again? That's, yeah. that's definitely the goal. Yeah, it's, it's basically the 4D temporal of actually be able to track change over time um, and show improvements or degradation of, of parks or, you know, trails and stuff. Right. Okay. So, you know, one of the features of our system, you know, and Jeff mentioned, you know, with construction, for example, where they, they may want uh, a construction customer may want daily capture. Uh, you're able to request that data, but then also over time. So in the case of of trust for public uh, land, they may be requesting data quarterly. You know, they would just, you know, a couple times a year, they would want to make sure, uh, you know, kind of get a, a visual status update. Um, in the case of construction, you know, it may be daily for the, you know, 18 month life cycle of a, of a project. And as opposed to having to, um, you know, kind of make that data request and, and every time you want new data, you have to, you know, uh, engage with a piece of software or try to find and source an operator you know the the hangar platform allows you to basically just schedule all that data collection in the, the span of a, a couple minutes and then uh, the, the platform handles handles the rest so it sure. you know it, it removes that initial the, that first barrier to scale which is just being able to say here's the data out in the world that i need at the frequency that i i need it and it reduces that down to you know, something that can happen in the span of a couple minutes um, and you can get data over time versus, you know, sort of the, uh, the alternative, which is every piece of data needs to be, uh, you know, re requested individually. Right. What, what about the, the different types? Are there different types of data there? If they're using your application in mission planning, then integrating the data is not a problem because it's all the same. Is that correct? Um, as far as what do you mean by by data? Because there's a whole bunch of different data asset types now in, in this. I mean, like in, in construction, you could appreciate there's there's the standard things that uh, a lot of people are familiar with, like on a construction site with surveys and kind of doing cut fill um, reports um, on the the dirt movement. Um, and then there's you know things like the um, ortho mosaics that are captured over time and kind of showing and you know, tracking the logistics that are occurring. There's point clouds. But then there's all these other asset types which are included in, in working with the, the client where, um, you know, the 360s happen to be a really valuable asset that um, all the people that are actually operating on a construction site, uh, there's, there's a handful that really appreciate 
point clouds and other types of um, uh, you know data, but everybody likes 360s because it's it's basically from a visual acuity standpoint, it's it's it, it resonates exactly with the way they're thinking about um, you know the the job site. Our sure. image series, our image series on it, so the image series can also be used on parks where you're not only capturing 360s, but now you're capturing really high resolution imagery that then can be you know, you can you know track it over time and easily detect things that change um, um, as as things uh, evolve. Um, mm -hmm. We do facade we do facade scans on buildings, which is another type of asset type where you're basically flying you know 10 feet away from the structure, uh, capturing extremely high resolution imagery that's used in safety risk mitigation. It's used in assessing quality of work um, on on projects. There's thermal scans, um, and there's also you know that drones are really good at capturing um, all types of assets we're now capturing like intersections you know when they're planning the logistics of how concrete um, trucks and delivery trucks come in and out of a construction site um, that that data that we capture is then um, sent into algorithms that then actually show traffic patterns and how they're going to mitigate um, issues for the city to allow that project to, to progress forward so the, the more and more you know, people learn about what drones are doing and what they're capable of doing. The amount of data types um, starts to to explode, and the understanding of why a drone should be flying on a construction site um, daily uh, becomes very obvious. Right. Well, how does all this work? I know you're working with uh, with Esri and uh, other GIS uh, applications. So, uh, can you shed a little light on that? And 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 how your data works or will work with the ESRI's applications? Um, I, I can share a couple ideas and I, I know um, uh, Adam's done, I mean, we've now I think had 20 people involved with, with ESRI because it's, it's a really deep um, partnership that I think is gonna um, you know, solve a lot of you know, critical needs for the, the industries that we target. But um, from a construction standpoint, um, uh, you know, Esri is now leaning into the 3D um, kind of bridge between um, the BIM model um, that is actually being developed um, at that that plat of land, all the way to the completion where that now becomes a handoff to the owners, and and the city can then have that that data at their their fingertips to, you know, do planning within and cities and just just general management. So I think. Uh, from a standpoint of construction, I think that's going to be a big push that Esri has is they have a, a big relationship with uh, Autodesk that's um, being developed. Um, so um, this this reality capture on on a daily basis or weekly basis happens to play you know really well into to that whole plan. Our our more exciting um, um, view on on Esri is that pretty much every single federal um, states and, and local governments um, uses some form of ESRI to manage um, their, their cities and their, their states. And um, if we're able to, like in Alabama Power, you know, they have every single one of their um, uh, transmission lines, distribution lines, um, substations, power plants, everything um, within the ESRI system. Um, if, you know, we're now making calls where we'll say that we need to make a call to find out, hey, what's all the you know power plants, and then we want to actually create a mission file that becomes a benchmarked um, mission plan for that power plant to be inspected on a you know routine basis, whether that be you know every six months or a year or three years. Um, that Esri kind of you know keeps that 
understanding of, of what assets they own, um, what assets need to be inspected, and um, allows us to attach our mission files to every single location. Okay. Um, and public public safety is another exciting thing is we've now demonstrated to you know several you know cities where um, they're getting excited um, because of the big push of disaster response uh, last year. Um, a lot of the public safety um, divisions inside cities are starting to get uh, drones. Um, right now, they're um, they're doing a lot of manual flights and um, experimenting with how they can actually be leveraged for you know various situations. We're now demonstrating how, um, let's say, an accident occurs at an intersection. Um, well, we can actually show that all the officer has to do is select that intersection. We can make a call to Esri, um, which then provides us all the details. We get back all the, the, the data about the buildings, the structures, and the, um, the angles of the, the roads. And then we can actually automatically generate a mission plan that can now capture that whole accident scene um, in in really robust um, in a really robust way that uh, is is starting to show how drones can be super actionable uh, for public safety. It's all about how can you automate, how can you remove the, how can you leverage the tool and not have to worry about what's actually being captured because you always capture the exact data that's necessary for any situation. It just makes sense that that data request experience would begin um, would begin inside of RTIS uh, that you that you already have all the information about your assets and, and, and where they are and you know uh, you know the the you know parcel boundary of, of the the site and, and all that sort of information you know the exact you know lat long of where that cell phone tower is so it just you know it just seems very natural um, and, and makes a ton of sense that that experience of requesting, you know, data that Hangar could provide would, would begin in an RGIS. And, and as Jeff said, the features that, say, a utility company has about that power plant uh, that, that already exists in RGIS, we can then, you know, gives us exactly what we would need to automatically generate the the mission plan and then dispatch that through the system it also allows you know that that data request to be to be made at, at scale you know i need an inspection of these 10,000 towers and i need it once a month starting from geospatial data can then automate that that process and we understand that you're working with the trust for public land uh, to solicit help from drone pilots uh, all over the u.s uh, making 360-degree maps of thousands of public parks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's been a really great, really great process. We began with 30 parks in Dallas that were immediately useful to them for their park serve initiative. We were able to kind of do this uh, joint R&D effort, kind of build out that capability to go from a, a GIS talking to our system to, to automatically generate those mission plans. You know, so we we did a handful of, of tests, and you know, it. it there's parks of all different sizes and, and shapes. Some of them are urban, some of them are more rural. You know, we were able to kind of figure out a formula for a park of a given size and shape. You know, how many 360s do we need? How far do they need to be spaced out? What what altitude is going to be the the data set that provides them the uh, the insight that they that they need? So after this sort of successful trial in uh, 30 parks in in Dallas, um, we're now. Uh, scaling that to all of Austin, and then uh, you know we will we will scale it uh, 
nationwide here in the, the next couple of months. All right. So you're soliciting work from a, a group of pilots that you have or that you know about. Is that correct? Well, it's, it's mainly um, it's TPL leveraging their volunteers. The, the more thing is we're allowing them to leverage the technology to kind of prove out how the value of of this data being captured by their by the, the community and and um, leveraging hangar on demand. Um, you know, makes that whole process as as easy as possible. Well, I think that's uh, uh, all the questions I have. It's very interesting, I, and I wish you luck. Join us for the live lightning talks and your questions answered on drones at our annual virtual conference, Drones Flying Free, co-hosted by Directions Mag and the Geotech Center. Learn more at drones.directionsmag.com.